Good morning. Um, one thing that, that I think, um, I don't know if everyone knows this, but we were in Fort Myers uh, this past week on a mission trip. Uh, about 15 of us went down there, and um, during that trip, um, Pastor Deb, who is usually up here playing and, and worshiping with you, Pastor Deb's mother um, was found um, lying on the floor and um, non-responsive. She had fallen. And so one of the reasons you don't see Pastor Deb here today is because her mother is currently um, in hospice care um, down in Texas. And so, so she actually flew out um, from Florida and went to Texas and is, is with her mother. And, and I just want you to be um, thinking of her and praying for her. She's close to her mother, and this was very unexpected. And so she's there anticipating that her mother will will soon pass. Um, and, and so we just want to pray for her. Let me pray another quick prayer. I know we just finished prayer, but, but let's just pray for her real quick. Um, Father, we come before you today on, on Pastor Deb's behalf and, uh, and just pray that you would be with the Crabtree family and, and Deb especially, um, and just that you would give them comfort and peace in this difficult time. She's a part of our family. She's here every week. She's led us in worship for years. And, and Lord, we just pray um, your, your blessings on her in this difficult time. So, Lord, uh, we want to continue to lift her up, um, but we thank you that you're always with us even in those, um, in those dark points, even in those, those heavy moments of life um, that are out of our control. And so we pray that you'd be with Deb, and we pray that you'd be with us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, today uh, is... We're going to start a new series called Vices and Virtues, and like I said, just before we get into to the series too much, um, it, we were just in Fort Myers, for, or just outside, Lehigh Acres is actually where we were, there were 15 of us. We left last Monday, we met here at the church at 4 a.m., I met at 4.07, um, the staff will remind me of that forever, but we met at 4, I met at 4.07, and we left to, to leave and fly out. We flew down to Fort Myers, and we spent uh, Monday through Friday, uh, Thursday working, and Friday we, we came back. But it's been a great week in the life of the church. It's been, you know, going on a mission trip and serving, and, and then we had the work day on Saturday, and then we had the Great Pumpkin Fest where we were reaching out into our community, and it's, it's just been a really cool week. Um, just so you know, the, the, we prayed a couple weeks ago for the people going on the trip, and, and there were 15 of us. It was all of our staff went, and then several others. If you went, would you just raise your hand real quick? I think everyone's back now. Okay, I'll raise my hand. Yeah. And so we went down there, and, and, and I, I want you to hear this because I, the, what I'm going to talk about here in just a second has to do with this. Um, but basically what we did is we went down to a church uh, um, when the hurricane, it was it Irma that hit down there about a year and a half ago. When that hurricane hit, I have a buddy that's a pastor down there and um, a connection that I had from college. And you might remember that, that we took up an offering and sent it down there. Well, that led to us going on this trip. And so what we did is on this trip is we worked with people in their community that were in need. Um, one, one gentleman whose house we worked at, his house had burned down and a wildfire that was sweeping through. You don't think of Florida being a place that has wildfires, but in their dry season, fires can spread pretty quickly. And so he lost his house and, and had no insurance, and so he was just stuck with nothing. And so that church has been helping him build a house from the ground up. And so about half of us worked 
for four days on that house. And then the other half of us were working in the community and painted three different houses and worked with different families there that were getting their houses painted. And one of the cool things was that church in that community is just constantly reaching out and serving the people of their community. And even the opportunity that we had to go paint houses and work on this guy's house were an opportunity for people in their community to know Christ. And the pastor talked about, he, he talked about how, how much the opportunity to serve has opened up the door for them to share the love of Jesus with their community. And so it was just a great blessing to be a part of something. I, we pray for other countries. We pray for other churches. Um, we pray for other denominations. We're all one family. And we are all working together to build the kingdom and to reach people for Jesus. And so it was awesome to go to another Nazarene church down in Florida and see that God is working and to get to play a part in that. And, and so we did that. Um, just, just a little bit more about the trip. Um, I was in the group that worked on a guy named Elvis's house. There were a lot of jokes made this week about Elvis's house. But um, I worked on Elvis's house. And, and just so you know... I am not a very handy man, okay? Can we all just, it, it's okay. You, I know nothing about fixing up houses and working. And so in situations like this, when we go on a mission trip and there's a lot of heavy work to do, I typically say, what's the job that's the least skilled job? I will do it. And so I started, and, and I, I got put on a job. It, it didn't take a lot of skill, but it was corner beating the windows and the doors, putting this little sharp pieces of metal that were, you know, giving me cuts and stuff like that, and putting them around so that they could put, you know, the drywall stuff around it, the, um, the putty, and then smooth it out and then paint it. And so that was my first job. I would put this corner beating on, and then I would staple it in, which I heard is not the real way you're supposed to do it, but it's the way I got to do it. And so I started doing that, and I just want you to know that my first window that I did, it looked pretty bad. <laughs> In fact, I, I got to do that window again after I did that window the first time. I'm, I'm not handy, and so I, I went to serve as a part of this team, and I'm not skilled, but, but once they showed me what to do, I, I went from that window that didn't look so good to the next window, and it may have looked a little bit better, and I'll be honest with you, it probably still isn't half as good as most of you could do just cold turkey, but I was doing my very best. And then we moved on to, to sanding drywall, and we moved on to other jobs, and I want you to know that when I started on this trip, I knew nothing about any of these jobs. We were nailing vents up to the ceiling, soffit is what they kept calling it, and I know nothing about that stuff. If you just put that stuff in my hand and say, go do this, it would not turn out well. But it was really cool because I was a part of something bigger than myself. And so even though I wasn't skilled, I wanted to do the very best I could to get better and do the best job that I possibly could. And I think through the week, sure I got tired and, and maybe my effort went down a little bit, but through the week I think I got better and better at doing the jobs that I was supposed to do. That's how it works, isn't it? When you start something, you're usually not an expert at it. Some of us do things our whole lives and do not become experts at it. I'm one of those people. But I was a part of something bigger 
than myself. And so I wanted to grow. I wanted to help build something. And it was really cool how we came together. A lot of us weren't experts, and we worked together to build something really cool, this house for Elvis and his wife. That makes me think of... uh, it was several months ago we, we talked about First Peter, the book of First Peter. And in First Peter, it talks about us being built up into the holy temple. You may, if you've been around for a while, you may remember those messages. We talked about how we as followers of Christ come together and are being built up into God's holy temple. We were together and we were building a house for Elvis and his wife. But we as the church... Here, Florida, all over the world, we are being built up together to be God's holy temple. And I I just want you to understand something real quick. We don't start perfect, do we? You're here today, hopefully, because you either desire to follow Christ or you're already following Christ. But how many of you would say that the moment that you decided to follow Jesus, you were perfect? Raise your hand. That's really good, because if you raised your hand, I was going to say you're lying and you're not perfect. I was gonna, you were going to prove my point. But none of us are perfect when we start, and that's true in our Christian walk. That's true when we follow Christ, that when we come to Christ, we are this, this raw block of clay that is not perfect, that struggles. We struggle, don't we? But I want you to understand today, as, as we work through this Vices and Virtues series, that we are a part of something much bigger than ourselves, and we are called not to stay imperfect, not to stay somebody who's going to mess up over and over again, but we are called to become holy, to become God's holy people. And so we are here to grow. Listen, I I've been praying a lot over the last month. The board is working together right now on the vision of our church, and I've been praying a lot, God, what do you want for our church? What do you want us to be? And there are a lot of things I would like our church to be. I would like our church to grow. I would like to see us reaching our community and new people coming in. And I would like to see us fill this sanctuary and have to go to another service and fill that sanctuary. I would like to see us grow. I would like to see us be excellent in everything we do. I would like to be the best preacher that I can. I would like our worship to be the best worship that it can. I would like us to be generous in giving people. We're going to talk about that next month. I would like a lot of things, but do you know what I want more than anything else? I want us to be a church that reflects Jesus Christ to the world around us. I want us to be a godly people that when people see Westchester Nazarene, they say, man, there is something at work in those people. God is at work so, so powerfully that people are drawn. See, I believe that if we get that, if we grow into that, all the other stuff is going to take care of itself. My number one prayer for us is that we will be godly, Christ-like people, that we as a church will be Christ-like and that others will see that in us. In order for that to happen, we can't stay like I was when I got to Florida and I'm messing all the jobs up and I don't know what I'm doing. 
We have to grow, and we have to grow, and we have to grow, and we have to learn to be more like Jesus in the way that we treat each other, in the way that we treat others outside, and in everything we do, we have to be like Jesus. I want us to reflect Christ. Well, this series is all about, Vices and Virtues is all about us reflecting Christ. It's all about us growing spiritually to become like Jesus. In this series, we're going to be looking at the, the, the um, writings of 2 Peter in Scripture. We're going to be looking at especially 2 Peter chapter 1. But we're going to be looking at this Scripture that talks to us about getting past our vices and growing in our virtues. Vices and virtues. Like I said, when we start out, we are all this raw block of clay. We're all rough around the edges. We've got vices. But God's plan for our lives is not that we stay there, but that we, are, we grow and we are shaped into something holy, something divine, something Christ-like. And so, so that's what we're looking at. So let's look at 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. It says this, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of Him who called us to be His own glory and goodness. Through these, He has given us His very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. I'm going to read that to you again. Listen to this. I'll be honest with you. This whole section goes to verse 11, and I could talk to you about these verses forever because I, they're powerful stuff. This is good stuff. I want to read this again. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. So we're called to a godly life. His divine power has given us everything we need to live that godly life. Through our knowledge of Him, we do that through knowing Him who called us by His own glory and His own goodness. Through these, He has given us great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Do you get the point here? What Peter is saying right away here in his second letter is this. You are called to be holy. You are called to live a godly life. You are called to participate in the divine nature of God. Sometimes I think we miss this. Sometimes I think that, that we think Christianity is just a simple thing where we just say we're something. No, God's calling is that we would go from being a raw block of clay that's imperfect, that has vices, that struggles, and that we would grow through His power, that we would grow in knowledge of Him, and that we would become holy. Sometimes, sometimes, too often, I think we as followers of Christ do not seek to be holy. We have to be holy. That's what we're called to. And so let's look a little bit further into this. His power has given us everything we need. This is good news. We're going to circle back around to this. But His power has given us everything we need. For what? 
for a godly life. First and foremost, as Christians, we are called to live holy lives. You need to understand that this morning. As a follower of Christ, you are called to live a holy life. We are not called simply just to go to church on Sundays. We're not called to just claim to be Christian. We're not called to put a little fish thing on the back of our car. That's not what the, it's not just about listening to Christian radio. It's not just about it's it's not even just about obeying a certain set of rules. We are called to be holy. What does that mean? It says it in the Scripture. It says that we are called to participate in the divine nature, to be godly, to be like Christ. And so we are called, each and every one of us, if we are going to be followers of Christ, then we should grow to reflect Christ in our lives. Not just put a bumper sticker on our car, not just sing songs, not just listen to certain things, not just stay away from certain things, but to be like Jesus. That's a huge calling, isn't it? This is where we're going. This is what we need to, who we need to be. And, and it goes on and it says, everything we need to be and live this godly life, we have in God's divine, miraculous power. And then it goes on and it says, we do this through our knowledge of Him. The best way that we can grow to become godly is to know God. Think about that. The best way that you can live a godly life, the best way you can live a holy life is to know God, to have an intimate understanding of who God is. We become holy as we grow in knowledge of God. We become holy as we grow in knowledge of God. We cannot reflect God if we do not know God. And so we need to know God more and more. Well, what does that mean? That means I need to read my Bible and memorize it, right? Sure, that's good. Do it. (laughs) But the truth of the matter is, there are a lot of people that know the Bible really well, but don't reflect Christ and aren't living holy lives. In Scripture, we read about the Pharisees who were really, they read the rules, they knew the rules, they knew the do's and don'ts, they knew it all, but they weren't reflecting Christ in their life. So part of knowing God is reading Scripture and knowing Scripture, but I can't take a baseball card and look at the back of it and study Barry Larkin. I love Barry Larkin. He's my favorite baseball player. I can't study Barry Larkin's career and then say, I know Barry Larkin, can I? No. I would have to spend time with him. I would have to build a relationship with him. And so, yes, we need to know Scripture, absolutely, and through Scripture we get a better idea of the character of God, but we are called to something so much more than just reading Scripture. We are called to an intimate relationship with God. We are called to communicate with God. We are called to walk with God every single day. And as we do that, we will grow to become more and more Christ-like, more and more holy. We are called to live holy lives, and we will become holy as we know God more. If we want to know God more, we've got to invest, we've got to, we've got to study, we've got to communicate, and we've got to grow in our relationship with God. We cannot reflect God if we do not know God this is, this, this is a huge thing. And so the greatest benefit for us in becoming who God has called us to be is knowing who God is and working to become like God. 
The greatest benefit we have is not, it's not big churches, it's not great songs, it's not great books, it's not the greatest benefit we have is that we have the divine power of God at work in our lives, and we can know God more through living in relationship with God. That's the greatest benefit we have. It goes on, it says, through His glory and goodness, He has given us these great promises so that we can participate in the divine nature. Last week, we talked about this great party that one day, if we will be faithful, if we will live in, with, a, with a faith like the heroes of Scripture had, that one day we will come together in a great party in heaven and God will glorify us and we will worship God and glorify God and we will be together at this great party. We have great promises. We have the great promise that God will be with us no matter what we encounter. We have the great promise that God will take care of all of our needs and we have the greatest promise of all, that we have eternal life in Jesus Christ. And so we have these great promises that help us participate in the divine nature of God. And then it says this, having escaped the corruption of the world that's caused by evil desires. This is where I want to spend some time today. Having escaped the corruption of the world by, that's, I'm sorry, let me get back to it. Having escaped the corruption in the world that's caused by our evil desires. As Christians, our goal should be nothing short of living in the divine nature of God. However, there's a problem. Like I said, we are raw. We are, we are inexperienced. We are struggling. So I want to paint a picture for you. I want, to, I want you to think about your life before you met Jesus. And we have vices and we have struggles we have selfishness. We have things in our life that are selfish in nature. So just picture this as you before or even when you accept Christ. You are, you're new to it. You're not perfect. You didn't immediately become perfect. And then I want you to picture over here God's nature, the divine nature. This is what you're called to. This is becoming holy, living a holy lifestyle. We are called to go from this to this. The problem is we are living in an imperfect place and we are an imperfect people. In the book of Isaiah, we, we hear him say, woe, is, woe to me because I am a man of unclean lips that lives among a people of unclean lips. That's every single one of us. Every single one of us have vices. Every single one of us. I would spend a lot of time and list all the vices, but I don't need to because you know the vices in your life, don't you? You know the things in your life that keep you from looking divine and godly, don't you? Those vices could be a lot of different things. Some of them are really obvious things, but we all have vices that make us who we are right here. But God doesn't call us to stay here. God calls us to become holy and to become Christ-like. And so we have to get past those vices. I want to say something important to you here this morning. I think in the church we get scared about a lot of things. And I'm not saying we shouldn't be scared of these things, but I think we get scared about the wrong things more than we get scared about the right things. I think we get scared about our safety. 
We're afraid that we can't protect ourselves from the world around us. We're afraid that the people outside are going to come in and hurt us. I'm just being honest with you. We're afraid of what's, going, what's coming after us. Sometimes I think, we, I think one, of, one of the things we struggle with is, is we're afraid that we're going to lose our rights. I'm not, listen, I'm not, we should, that's fine. These are, these are threats to us. There is the threat of people coming and trying to hurt us. There is the threat of us losing our rights. You hear this all the time, but I think we focus way too much on the threats from outside. I want you to understand this morning that the greatest threat to God's church is not other people's evil, it's not the political climate, it's not people coming in here and hurting us. The greatest threat to the church of Jesus Christ is Christians not living holy, godly lives. Do you hear me? The greatest thing that could keep us from here is the vices in our life that we let continue pull us here. We are called to be holy. And the greatest threat to that is us and our own evil desires. We can't live like that and claim to be followers of Christ. We can't allow ourselves to have vices and, and allow ourselves to be comfortable in them and still look like Jesus. It won't happen. The greatest threat to God's church is if we aren't living holy, Christ-like lives. Listen, there are churches that have burnt to the ground. There are churches, there was a church in South Carolina, not far from where I lived, that literally burnt to the ground in a fire. Guess what? That church is alive and well today. Because a fire can't take what the church has. There are churches that have experienced terrible things. People have come into churches and shot people. There are terrible things that have happened, and those, those are bad things. But the church is alive and well. The only thing that can keep us from being who God calls us to be is if we continue to allow vices and our selfish, evil desires to keep us from becoming Christ-like. We are called to be the holy people of God, and we can't allow our selfish nature to pull us back. We are called to be holy. Our, the biggest threat is not political, it's not danger from outside, it's our own selfishness and evil desire. You know the churches that fall apart? They're not the churches that that have hurricanes heading their way. They're not, the, they're not the churches that have catastrophes happen. They're the churches where people stop acting like Jesus and they start treating each other with hatred and they rip themselves apart from within because they're not reflecting who God called them to be. That can't be us. We are called to be holy. And so I want you to understand that we have to get past the vices in our lives. We all have these vices. You know, I, I said this earlier, you know what your vices are. You know what they are. But we have to get past them to become Christ-like. The definition of a vice is simple. It's moral depravity or corruption in your life. Another de definition is a, ha a habitual and usually trivial defect or shortcoming. So, so a, a a vice could be anything from just being selfish. It could be anything from, from, from having a, a temper, an anger problem. I'm going to be honest with you. One of my vices is 
I struggle with anger. I've always in my life struggled with anger. My brother and I would fight, and there was a point in the fight where if the switch flipped, I lost my mind, and he'd run from me because he knew I lost my mind. And all of a sudden, all of that understanding of what I should and shouldn't do goes out the window because I have this vice. You have vices. Some of our vices are really obvious, and, and sometimes as Christians, we like to point those out. Some of the, some of the vices are simple, drugs, um, you know, lust, those sort of things. Those are pretty obvious vices that we have in our lives. But some of us have the vices of gossip. Some of us have the vices of negativity. Some of us have the vice of uh, uh, lacking faith. And they're not as easy to see, but those things can destroy us from within. Those are vices. Those are why we're here. We are called to get past it. So I I real quickly want to look through some of the reasons that we don't get past our vices. And then I want to call us to become a people that's holy. Number one, we don't get past our vices because sometimes we live self-serving lives. We think that Christianity is something that should benefit me, and how can I make Christianity work to my advantage? We're missing it. Christianity is about serving God and honoring God with my life. And so it's not about what can I get away with, it's about what can I do to glorify God. That's a vice. We can't be in it for ourselves. 1 Corinthians 6, the last Sunday night, I was in the, in the Sunday evening service. If you don't know, we have it at 6 o'clock. Pastor Dan Walters leads it. And, and he spoke about 1 Corinthians 6, so I want to read this to you real quick. Because this is that self-serving idea. It says this, I have the right to do anything you say. Listen to these next words. But not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything. You say food for the stomach and stomach for food, and God will destroy both. The body, however, is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. By His power, God raised the Lord from the dead, and He will also raise us. Now listen to this last line. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ Himself? Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. So what this is talking about is the vices. And some people say, I, what can I get away with? What can I do? Hey, I can do this. It's, it's not the end of the world, right? Right? But what that says is we shouldn't be thinking about how Christianity can serve us. We should be thinking about how we can serve God, how we can live for God. You can, listen, you can live for yourself, but you're going to miss the great promises of God. You're going to miss the great party. You're going to miss what God has for you. So number one, we we live a self-serving life. Number two, number two, we accept our vices. Maybe we have some of those hidden vices, and we accept them, and we think, we're okay. This is a small thing. This won't, this won't cost me anything. It's okay. And we think, hey, it's okay if I lie every once in a while. It's okay if I'm negative. It's okay. I'm going to be real honest with you. I think I've told you this before. I got to a place a few years ago, probably four or five years ago, that I thought, you know what? 
I don't want to be negative. I don't want to be in a bad mood all the time. Are any of you, do any of you struggle with that vice that it's just too easy for you to be in a bad mood? I do. And I got to the point that I thought, that's not who Jesus is. And if I'm going to reflect Jesus, I've got to get rid of that vice. Sometimes we accept things and we think they're okay. We think, oh, that's just a little crack in the windshield. That's just a little crack in the window. But the truth of the matter is, little cracks always become destroyed windows. If you have a little crack in your roof, guess what? Eventually, it's going to destroy a lot of things. If you have a little crack in your windshield, I currently do in just about every windshield I own, it's going to end up being a problem. It may be a little crack now, but the little small vices always turn into things that pull us back here. We can't allow and accept the vices in our lives, or we will never be Christ-like. Number three, we compare ourselves to others. We compare ourselves. I was the king of this in high school. I was a pastor's kid. I, I didn't do a lot of the things that my friends did. I didn't, I didn't say the same words they did. I, I, I thought to myself, I, rem, I remember thinking this all the time. I thought this all the time. Some of you that grew up in, you know, with parents that were strict will remember this. Like, we would be doing something, and I would have to go home, and all my friends would be allowed to stay. And I would think, come on, Mom and Dad. I'm such a better kid than they are. I don't do all that stuff. I, come on. But the truth of the matter is, Comparing myself to others doesn't matter. As a parent now, I don't care if my kid is a little bit better than your kid or not. I care if my kid is Christ-like. I care if my kid is living the right kind of life. And so it's not about comparing. Sometimes we think, yeah, I struggle with some vices, but they're not as bad as his vice. They're not as bad as her vice. That's not going to get us here. That's not going to make us Christ-like. We have to get rid of it. The goal is holiness. The goal is holiness, not, not justifying our, our vices and our sin. God's desire is not that you will live a slightly better life than the people around you. God's desire for you is that you will participate in the divine nature and that you will inherit God's spirit and that you will live a life full of God and that in the end you will be at the great party. And comparing ourselves to others will never lead us where we need to be. The fourth thing is sometimes we try to self-treat the things that are, are going on in our lives. We try, to, we try to heal ourselves. I see this all the time. I struggle with this, but I'm going to keep it to myself, and I'm going to solve this myself because I can pull up my boots and I can do it. The scripture says you have everything you need to live a holy life in yourself? No. In Christ, in his divine nature, you cannot overcome your vices without God. You may make some progress, but guess what? You're going to turn right back. God's power is what will help us become holy. You cannot become like Christ if you don't know Christ and if Christ's power is not at work in you. And so we are called to holiness and we can't do this on our own. These are dangerous thoughts. We all have vices. We all, listen, I, I, I told you, you know your vices. I want you right now to think about 
the vices in your life. I want you to think about the things that keep you from being who God calls you to be. I'm not going to name you all mine. That wouldn't be very fun. But I want you to think about what your vices are, and I want you to understand that God is calling us to be holy and to get past those vices and to be godly in our lives. Not throw a bumper sticker on them. Not listen to some good music and feel good about ourselves. We are called to reflect Christ. And these dangerous thoughts of comparing ourselves to others and accepting our vices and living self-serving lives and trying to treat ourselves, they will never get us where we need to be. The only thing that will get us there is the power of Christ. In 2 Peter 2 and in 2 Peter 3, I'll, I'll do this. Why don't you just read that at home? You have some homework this week. I want you to read through. 2 Peter is three chapters. You can do it, I promise. Chapter 1 talks about becoming holy. Chapter 2 talks about people that are living a fake Christian life. People that say, I, I know who Jesus is, I know who God is, but, but I'm going to live in sin. And it talks about how that's not okay, and how they're worse off than they were before they knew who God was. And then chapter 3 talks about something really important, and that's that great party. That's the coming judgment. I want you to understand, I don't preach about this all the time. I know some of you probably want me to preach about it more, but I want you to understand that one day, Jesus is coming back, and there will be judgment and some people will tell you that it doesn't matter how you live right now, and it doesn't matter what you do, and it doesn't matter if you look like that or you look like that, you're going to be okay. That's not true. Jesus will come back. And if we want to be a part of his kingdom and of this great party and of the kingdom of heaven, we have to get rid of the vices that hold us back, and we have to live godly lives. And so this morning... The band's going to come up, and, and I want us to understand that, that we are called to be holy. Every single one of us, every single one of you sitting in here today, me, we are called to be holy. And here's the best news of all. You are not only called, you are capable of being holy through the power of God. You can become holy. But in order to do that, you have to totally surrender everything you have to Jesus. We're going to sing a song called Overcome, and the good news is this. You can become holy because Jesus loved you so much that he gave his life so that your sins and your vices could be forgiven, but you're not meant to continue to live in those vices. You're meant to live holy. And so as we sing this last song, as we sing about Jesus overcoming sin and death, that's what we're called to. And so just this morning, I, I don't want to make a huge thing of it, but if you've got some of this stuff in your life, I don't care how big it is or how small it is, I want to ask you to bring it to Jesus. These altars are a place, they're not a place of shame, they're a place of victory. They're not a place of embarrassment. Sometimes we think we have to be embarrassed about these altars. They're not a place of embarrassment. They're a place of growth. And if we want to get there, if we want to be who God calls us to be, we have to surrender the things that are keeping us here. And so this morning as we sing this song, 
If there's something in your life that you feel like is holding you back from being who God called you to be, I would just ask you to come and surrender it and say, God, I want to live holy for you. Father, as we sing this last song, I pray that you would speak to our hearts. My prayer, Lord, is that we would be holy. That we would reflect you. Not that we would play church. Not that we would be, pretend to be something that we're not. But that we would be growing every day to be more like you. And so, Lord, as we sing this last song, I pray that we would surrender ourselves to you. And that you would make us holy, Lord. We love you. We give ourselves to you now. In Jesus' powerful name, amen.